0: I'm Charlotte. And I'm Dina. Welcome to The Grim Curriculum. Thank you all so much
1: for tuning in today after last week's morbid introduction to the series
0: Recovering. Yes, and it's only gonna get worse from here, friends, so yay! Mm -hmm. And in case you missed it, episode three of The Grim Curriculum Extra Credit is out now, so go check that out.
1: Yeah, it's worth visiting after this episode because we guarantee you're going to need something a bit more lighthearted after
0: this. Today's episode is going to be anything but. It's time for part two of our Harvey Glattman series.
1: Who by now has easily earned his place amongst the biggest scumbags we've ever covered and he hasn't even killed anybody
0: yet. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the murders that would land him in the execution chamber just that following year. At a very young age,
1: Harvey Glattman showed that not only did he display strange sexual behavior, but
0: he also had very little control over it. That, combined with what appears to be a clear lack of empathy, led him to assault numerous women. These
1: attacks led to multiple stints in prison, which seemed to never last long due to the fact that he
0: was a quote-unquote well-behaved prisoner. And we got a lot of comments about this, and don't worry folks, we are right there with you. It's, It's absolutely ridiculous that he was arrested for essentially the same thing over and over again, and they basically just kept letting him get out early. And I mean, that's just it, because it's not as though he
1: was committing crimes, serving his full time, getting out, and then reoffending. He was basically consistently getting caught and barely serving any
0: time at all for it. It really doesn't come as a shock that his crimes would eventually escalate into full-blown murder. It really doesn't. By this point
1: in our story, Harvey Glattman has packed his bags and moved to sunny Los Angeles. There he reignited his love for photography and violence, all under his new name, Johnny Glenn. Today we're going to be picking up right where we left off last week. And like we said, it shouldn't come as a surprise that this is going to be up
0: there with some of the most difficult episodes we've done so far. So settle in and buckle up for Harvey Glattman, The Glamour Girl Slayer, Part 2. During high school, Harvey had discovered that he very much enjoyed photography.
1: Something about the focus of finding the perfect subject, along with the
0: solitude of developing the photos, really spoke to him and he excelled at it. He would pick this hobby up again shortly after arriving in Los Angeles in January of 1957 photography also gave him an excuse to talk to women. While doing the absolutely horrific research that went into this episode, one of the things that I found that kind of made me laugh a little was why he chose the name Johnny Glenn. Because he picked it because it was essentially the most suave name that he could come up with. Like, (sighs) he wanted to sound like a super cool LA guy and that's the name he picked. Which, like, that brings me to a question for all of you. Like, would you consider Johnny Glenn to be a cool guy name to me it sounds
1: like for all of you gamers out there if you've played um fallout new vegas to me johnny glenn seems like a character that you meet in new vegas
0: oh absolutely
1: the wisecracking dude so maybe like that's where he got this idea about you know this kind of character but to me also johnny glenn sounds like your uncle that People don't invite around anymore, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Johnny Glenn has a mustache for sure.
1: Photography also gave him a reason for the women to actually want to talk to him. LA was full of beautiful young women who were trying to get their big break in Hollywood. There was no shortage of subjects for him who weren't incredibly eager to have their photo taken by a professional.
0: At first, he spent a lot of time hanging around modeling studios and something to remind you all here is that at this point, he hasn't actually had sex with a woman. Well, he's barely
1: had, like, any kind of contact consensually with a woman, basically, yeah. that wasn't, like, a relative, like, his mom yeah, or something. Yeah, I don't think
0: he's had any, to be honest. He hasn't really gone on dates. He hasn't done anything like that. No, so, and people
1: certainly weren't talking to him in no, school or anything. No,
0: no, He wasn't, like, the hunk, the the man next door, the guy you wanted to talk to. No. He was, like weird Harvey Glattman that like (laughs) laughed when you were sad to be fair I am the kind of person who
1: might like laugh if something makes me very uncomfortable because I don't know how to react like that kind of thing Yeah, and I don't think this was that kind of vibe I'm laughing at you not with you kind of situation exactly
0: so the fact that he's around all of these women who are willing to be around him in bikinis is a huge deal to him
1: For a little while, taking photos was enough, but
0: it didn't take long for the excitement to wear off, and Harvey wanted more. And this brings us to him finding the young woman who would end up being his very first murder victim, 19-year-old Judith Ann Dull.
1: This is going to be the last warning that we give you all for the remainder of the episode, because... From here on out,
0: things are just legitimately terrible. But before we get into the first murder, we want to talk about Judy, as she preferred to be called. Something important to know about Judy is that
1: she was a mother to a 14-month-old little girl named Susan. At the time she
0: unfortunately met Harvey Glattman, she was working as a model. She had a lot of expenses in life, one of them being a huge custody battle with Susan's father. At the risk of losing her daughter, she had no choice but to hire a lawyer. She took every
1: job she could in order to pay for this, including appearing in Western movies as an extra, catalog modeling, and everything in between. Judy lived with two other young models, an 18-year-old named Betty Ruth Carver, and Lynn who who
0: is 22 years old. Apparently, the three were reasonably successful and work for them was quite steady. They were also close, and they looked out for each other's safety. On August
1: 1st, 1957, Judy took a modeling job. The gig seemed simple enough, model for a true crime magazine.
0: And some of our listeners may be wondering what exactly a true crime magazine is. So we're just going to take a little sidebar here and explain all of that.
1: To me, they were kind of like the precursor to a true crime podcast in a way, because there was many, many of them. Uh, The magazines contained all things that were true crime and macabre, and they would often have
0: interviews with those who went against the law, as well as the people who upheld it. One of the main things that drew people to these magazines were, of course, the stories in them. So sometimes they would cover real-life events and other times they would publish fictional stories accompanied, of course, by photos of scantily clad ladies, often in vulnerable positions. Judy was instructed
1: to wear a tight skirt and a sweater. At first she was quite skeptical of the whole thing, but when Harvey showed
0: up she was put at ease by his appearance and meek demeanor. He also offered her a fair bit of money. It would be around $20 an hour for a couple of hours worth of work. And honestly, she wasn't really in a position to turn that kind of money down. He convinced
1: her to do the shoot in his private studio due to the fact that it had better lighting and again, she accepted. Her roommates asked for his phone number for safety reasons. And of course, he ended up giving them a fake number. Because he's a big fat liar. They got to the studio and the shoot began. He explained to her that a part of the theme was bondage and that he was going to have to tie her up for the photos.
0: My heart seriously breaks for this woman because she was just so desperate for money because she wanted custody of her kid. And she's like, 19. Yes, like absolutely. Like, she is a um, a child. I'm sorry, 19. Like, you don't know what you're doing at 19. No. She's ignoring all of the red flags, which at this point they might as well be slapping her in the face. The idea of her doing all of this and there just being a point where she finally realizes that she's actually in danger, it's horrifying. I would certainly imagine
1: so, because I, as these things are popping up, in her mind she's like well we can explain this away it's gonna be okay okay we can explain this away it's gonna be okay like it's gonna be
0: fine and then the red flags are piling up and there's gonna be a point where she's like okay this is not a good situation going from kind of that like little bit of fear to nervousness to like actual legitimate like fear for your life is this poor girl
1: He sat her down in an armchair and began to tie her up. When he was done, he picked up his camera and began to take photos of her, telling her to look scared.
0: He then took out a gun that he had recently purchased and he showed it to her. He untied her hands and he ordered her to start stripping. As she took off each item of clothing, he snapped a photo. And this is all the while that he's constantly demanding
1: that she look scared for these pictures and likely at this point she didn't have to
0: act. The fear would have all been very much real. When he finished taking the photos, he sexually assaulted her numerous times and it's likely that this was when he actually lost his virginity.
1: If that isn't bad enough, he would later claim that he forced her to cuddle with him on the couch afterwards while he watched some of his favorite funny shows. He promised that he would take her home when this was all over.
0: But like we just said, Harvey is an absolute lying piece of shit and obviously this time was no different. Instead, he drove her out to a desolate part of the desert, one that he knew would be secluded. This nasty little rat bag really makes my skin crawl. He's
1: so perverse because I can't imagine how frightened Judy must have been. And then the fact that he lied to her to kind of give her a false sense of hope that she was gonna make it out, that to me hits the nail on the head just to show how twisted he is. He clearly wanted his victims to be as scared as possible. So he's scared the shit out of them and hurt them And then he gives them hope so that he can hurt them all over again. It's disgusting.
0: Something that I really took away from that was the fact that he chose comedy to watch with her.
1: It's such a weird dichotomy of the Mm -hmm. just absolutely horrific situation. And then he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to watch some funny
0: shows on TV. I'm picturing them on the couch and this like horrible laugh track in the background while she's just horrified. He's torturing her. He's playing with his victim. 100%. At around 10.30pm that evening, he finally told her that she was free to go. He wasn't going to take her home though. He wanted to drive her to the outskirts of town where he would let her go. And by this point, she wasn't going to argue with him. Judy just wanted this to all be over. He tied her up again and led her to his car at gunpoint.
1: He drove until they were far enough away from the city
0: that you could see all of the stars in the sky, far enough away that people would never think to look. He stopped and he got out. He escorted Judy out of the car and acted like he was going to untie her so she wouldn't panic. He then tied a rope around her neck. He pushed her down to her knees and then pulled the rope tighter and tighter around her neck until she finally stopped struggling. He then took photos of her dead body in various positions so he could have something to remember her by. When he was done, he went home and developed the photos he was basically able
1: to commit the murder and then feel it all over again while he was developing the pictures. He had something to go back to whenever he wanted to think about what he had done. And can I just point something out? And this is just me, a little bit of armchair psychology. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: I think I'm correct in saying that he strangled them from behind as well. Yes. And typically with um, a choking or a strangling, those tend to be murders of rage because you want to look your victim in the face as you do it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the fact that he's choosing to strangle them from behind means that he's even more of a coward. He can't even look them in the face while he does it.
0: Absolutely. And the thing to keep in mind, too, is that this isn't a fast death. No, no, absolutely not. We talked about Dr. Keppel, who wrote the book Signature Killers last week, but he said something about the photos that really shows just how terrible they were, even to the most seasoned of detectives
1: they revealed glattman's true nature they showed the ways the killer had positioned his victims and the psychological depravity that they evidence was deeply revolting that a human being could so reveal the depths of his own weakness and feelings of insignificance through photographs was something investigators had not
0: seen before harvey glattman would strike again a mere seven months later Shirley Ann Bridgeford was 24 years old when she
1: met Harvey Glattman. She stands out from his other victims because she actually showed
0: somewhat of a romantic interest in Harvey. Shirley was a young divorcee with two sons who was eager to find a man who wanted to settle down. She joined the
1: Patty Sullivan Lonely Hearts Club and that's when she met Harvey Glattman, or has he introduced
0: himself this time, George Williams. She wasn't exactly attracted to him, but he seemed nice enough, so she gave him a chance. When he asked her out on March 7th, she figured she may as well get to know him a little bit. When he came to pick her up, he
1: told her that he had a headache and asked if she would mind amending their original plans of going out
0: for dinner and instead going for a quiet car ride and grabbing some food along the way. She said that she would be fine with that. Like Judy, Shirley didn't really perceive Harvey to be much of a threat. He was quiet, and he just didn't seem like the kind of guy who could hurt anyone, even if he wanted to.
1: And to be fair, they aren't completely wrong. He's not particularly big, and he's not a handsome man. He doesn't have much, if any, confidence with women. That's why he has to deceive women into being around him. He
0: chooses vulnerable victims on purpose. Once again, he drove her out far enough where no one would see them. He pulled over onto the side of the dirt road, and when she went to look at him to ask him what was going on, he pulled out his gun and he ordered her to undress. Harvey Glattman is one of the worst kind of killers. He
1: later said that he originally didn't want to kill her or even sexually assault her because she was a quote-unquote nice girl. Unlike Judy, she didn't get scantily clad
0: for money, and because of that, she didn't really deserve to die. And all of that bullshit means absolutely nothing because he also said that as soon as he smelled her he couldn't control himself and knew that she would never want him sexually so he may as well take what he wanted when he had the chance. And that's exactly what he did. He
1: sexually assaulted her numerous times and when he was finished he began taking photos of her in numerous horrible positions because it was so dark, he eventually made her wait until the sun came up so that the photos could be taken in the best light possible.
0: Once he was finished with her, he killed her with a makeshift garrote, And he wasn't completely done with her body. Like his previous victim,
1: he took photos of her corpse in various suggestive positions and then left to develop them
0: and enjoy the entire thing all over again. That July, 24-year-old Ruth Mercado put out an ad seeking work as a model. She was an experienced model who worked as a dancer under the name Angela Rojas. Ruth was
1: new to LA and wanted to get some new photos done, make some money, and also make some connections in the
0: local modeling scene. Harvey offered her a job and they met at her apartment to discuss it. We don't know a ton of the specific details about her
1: murder, but we have no reason but to assume that she was killed in a similar manner to the two other victims. He had stuck to his pattern the first two times and there wasn't much of a reason for him to divert from it.
0: And there wasn't actually a ton of information available on Ruth at all. There was one book that I'm not even going to mention by name that referred to her in some pretty awful terms and it left me feeling pretty disappointed. Uh, she, She was out there just trying to make a living however she could. She wasn't even hurting anyone. She wasn't breaking the law.
1: No, and at the end of the day, these ladies, it doesn't matter what they were doing for their occupation, they were women trying to survive and nobody deserves to be treated the way that they were treated. Fight me, I will not have any victim blaming in this house.
0: Yes, and I will fight right alongside you. <laughs> here, folks. A few days later, her landlord, who
1: knew that she had left for a modelling job, realised he hadn't seen or heard from her in quite some
0: time. He knocked on her door, and all he could hear was her dog and birds. He entered the apartment and found her beloved pets starving. Immediately, he called the police to report her as missing. The fact that she was last seen with a photographer set off some serious alarm bells for them. They knew that this hadn't been the first
1: woman to go missing who was last seen with a photographer. They began to suspect that these missing
0: women could be connected. That summer, Harvey decided to go through a different modeling agency. This time, he chose the Diane Studio. Their models worked at a higher rate, but they also appeared in various popular magazines. He visited the studio under a new name, Frank Johnson. He has the worst fake names.
1: They're, I mean, they're very sort of generic and white bread, so if he's trying to fly under the radar, I can see why he succeeded in that manner. Yeah, that's true. He was originally interested in the owner of the studio, Diane herself, but apparently she was kind of grossed out by him, so instead
0: she suggested he hire a new model of hers, Lorraine Vigil. Lorraine had actually never modeled before, but she was eager and excited, especially considering Frank Johnson was happy to pay whatever rates they wanted. She
1: made the arrangements, and he was set to pick her up that night. Apparently, Diane felt kind of bad about this afterwards and called Lorraine to warn her that the guy she was sending over was creepy. Which, like, how is that supposed to help? This is her This... First-
0: yeah. This makes me really mad, yeah, to be honest with you. This is her first shoot ever, and you've now told her, Hey, I'm sending this guy to your house. By the way, you're going to be alone with him, and he's a creep. Although, you could argue that the fact that she had this in the back of her mind kind of saved her life
1: i'm as we all know i've said it before i'll say it again i'm all for women uplifting women and supporting women and protecting women and to me as the owner of this studio if she was getting bad vibes two things should have happened either one someone should have at least gone with her Mm -hmm. or two she should have been like hey sorry buddy we don't have any available available models right now come back some other time yeah like get out of here
0: No, I'm not even going to defend her. That's selfish as hell. I agree.
1: All right, so he's going by the name Frank. So Frank picked her up and he began to drive her to Diane's studio where the shoot was supposed to take place. When he took a wrong turn, she pointed out that they were going the wrong way. He then told her that they were going to his private studio and she later reported that he giggled like a total weirdo after he said that. Ugh... Like, the alarm bells had to have been, like, ding, ding,
0: ding, ding, ding. Yeah, exactly. But despite that, she didn't want to argue or make a bad impression, especially for her first shoot. So, she said nothing. (sighs) Oh, this poor girl.
1: And I get it. I've been in situations where I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable or awkward. Uh, Now is a little different
0: for sure, but I I I get it. I do. I think every woman has been in that position. It's just like you don't want to cause a stir because that would potentially make things worse.
1: Don't be afraid to fucking yeah hiss at them. Do what you got to do. Get them away from you. Do not be afraid to make a scene. Absolutely. He told her that he was going to take her to Anaheim, but after missing numerous exits, she began to argue with him about where they were going. He wouldn't tell her, but she
0: did keep arguing. He got so fed up with her that he pulled over the car to the side of the road. She yelled at him for driving dangerously, and he looked at her and demanded that she hold out her arms so he could tie her up to shut her up. Lorraine then did something that Harvey had not encountered with any of his victims so far. She fought back. And boy did she ever fight. He wasn't exactly a strong guy by any means, and if he didn't have full control of the situation, it was pretty easy to actually overpower him. He took out his gun and they began to wrestle on the ground, and at one point the gun actually went off and it shot a hole through her skirt. By some miracle, it missed her completely, but... Literally talk about dodging a bullet, like... Yeah, oh my god!
1: Can I can't imagine getting all the way through this and then, like, looking at yourself in the mirror being like, oh, I heard a gunshot, and then be like, oh, there's a hole in my skirt. That's beyond lucky. The fight continued, and eventually she was able to get a hold of the gun. The two were finally interrupted by a bright white light.
0: Two police cars had arrived. Lorraine ran to them, still holding the gun. She dropped it in front of them before they had even stepped out of their vehicles. Harvey Glattman was arrested immediately. They found him hiding behind his car
1: in the fetal position crying and saying something about how it wasn't his fault. Get fucked, Harvey, you
0: piece of shit. He is in the fetal position. He's crying like a little bitch. Like, no, Harvey. No, you don't get to be a baby. No one's going to coddle you now. Oh, weak. Weak. I hate him so much. Yup, me too. One of the men who arrested him described him by saying, He had a lunatic stare. I'll never forget that wild look in his eyes. They took him to the Orange County Jail where he was questioned in regards to the murders. They grilled him until he was on the verge of falling asleep. When
1: he was about to doze off, they'd scream at him and tell him he wouldn't get to sleep until he told them the
0: truth. Which, like, normally I wouldn't agree with this kind of behavior when you're interrogating anybody, but when I was reading this, I was like, good. Yeah, I agree, to be honest with you. I hope he was scared and I hope he was sad.
1: Just to reiterate a million times, it just goes to prove that when someone more powerful than him in a position of authority who he deems, you know, again, more powerful, he crumples.
0: Absolutely crumples. You could not have chosen a better word for that. They told him that he fit the description of the man who was last seen with Judy and that they had reason to believe he was responsible for the other murders. They also told him that they had found his rope, gun, and knife in his car. After hours of questioning, Harvey finally caved. He told them, All right, I killed them.
1: I killed them all. You know I killed them. There's no way you could have known unless you found the toolbox.
0: To which the officer replied, What toolbox? And Brilliant Harvey said, The one in the house with the pictures.
1: The dead girls, that's where I hid them. The picture's in my toolbox. You know what I mean. You're just playing with me now. Uh, What an idiot. I mean, I'm
0: glad he's an idiot, but like... (sighs) And with that, the investigators just began to play along and Harvey told them everything that they needed to know while they had officers search his apartment. Before
1: the interview was over, he had confessed to the murders of Judy Dahl, Shirley
0: Bridgefort, and Ruth Mercado. They then took him out to show them the locations of the bodies, and they soon found what was left of the women. Harvey would later recount the
1: entirety of his crimes to investigators. They had never heard of anything like this
0: in the past. It was truly shocking to them all. One thing was for sure everyone hated Harvey Glattman and wanted to see him punished to the fullest extent of the law.
1: Everyone except his mother dearest, Ophelia, who begged the public to have mercy on her son and to understand that he wasn't evil. He was
0: sick. And that's basically what his defense team pushed when they tried to get the death penalty taken off the table. However, after the court was played the entirety of his confession tapes, that just didn't seem like the right thing to do. Judge Lowe, who oversaw the case, had this to say to Harvey at the end of his trial. I sat here and listened to those recordings. The manner in which these women were killed, I never heard anything like it, and I hope I never hear anything like it again. The torment, the suffering these women must have endured during the night and in the desert, it must have been horrible. He then said, At this time, I, having found the defendant guilty of first-degree murder, I will impose the death penalty on him. I think that is the only proper judgment that should be pronounced in this particular case. Mr. Glattman, may God have mercy on your soul.
1: It is said that Harvey did absolutely nothing to argue this
0: sentence and that he had actually asked to not have his life spared. Harvey Glattman was transferred to San Quentin Prison, where he was listed as prisoner number A-50239. And a quick interesting
1: fact, those of you who have watched the show Mindhunter may know this, but the cell that he was in would later be the same one that Charles Manson and Richard Ramirez were put into at San Quentin, one apart from the rest of the other inmates.
0: And actually, Richard Ramirez was so excited when they put him into that cell, apparently. Uh, that. Like, so gross. That Richard is... Ramirez is another one. We will cover
1: him eventually, but he's yeah. another absolute scum of the earth.
0: Yeah, that was actually, uh, they used that to like get him to talk. That was one of the things that they gave him. And they were like, oh, you get to be in this cell. And he just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Ew. Yep. Nasty. Harvey Glattman's life on death row was an absolutely miserable existence. He had very little human contact and absolutely nothing to entertain himself with. Unlike some of the other people that we've covered who received death sentences,
1: Harvey filed absolutely no appeals, and because of that, his execution happened rather quickly after he arrived at San Quentin. Because of that, his time at San Quentin was pretty uneventful. On September 18th, 1959, Harvey was led to the green room where he would inhale cyanide until he died.
0: They led him into the room at 10 a.m. A few minutes later, sodium cyanide pellets were dropped into the lock chamber. He was seen letting out a large gasp at 10.06, drooling a minute later, and was finally pronounced dead at 10.12 a.m. And like that, Harvey Glattman was
1: dead. He took less time to die than his victims did. And while his death was unpleasant,
0: it was nothing compared to the hurt that he inflicted on all his victims. I I know we've talked about the death penalty quite a few times now, and I don't necessarily agree with it. But if it exists, it exists for men like this.
1: I agree. I have somewhat of a gray area when it comes to it, because I think there's a lot of people that are executed who are wrongly executed that they're innocent or what have you but in this case when you have proved time and time again that you cannot be a part of society why have you around
0: before we end this episode we want to take a moment to talk about someone who was never actually identified as a victim of harvey glattman however there are still some who believe that he was responsible for her death
1: The body of Boulder Jane Doe was discovered near Boulder, Colorado in
0: 1954. She was found tied up after she had been hit by a car. During this time, Harvey Glattman was in the area and he drove a car that had some damage to the front of it. 55 years after her
1: murder, Boulder Jane Doe was finally identified as 18-year-old Dorothy
0: Gay Howard, who we will absolutely be doing an episode on in the near future. The level of work and effort that went into finding out her identity is honestly truly amazing. It's one hell of a story and I'm really excited to cover it. I am always excited
1: to hear these days and it seems to happen fairly often which makes me very happy Mm -hmm. that they're able to do new testing or someone comes forward with some information and they're solving these decades old cold cases. I think
0: that is brilliant and excellent and i love to see it happen me too and i hope to see it happen more and more as time goes on because it's it's necessary the amount of unsolved cases as we know it's it's way too many and even if like a distant family member can get closure that's great 100 percent.
1: so that our dear listeners brings us to the very end of our harvey
0: gladman series Oh, thank you all for going through all of this with us. We, uh, we appreciate it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Charlotte, how are you feeling after this series? Well, I had forgotten how much, uh,
1: Harvey Glattman makes my fucking skin crawl. Cause Mm -hmm. he is, he might not have a huge victim count like some of the others we've covered, but I think it's the manner in which this man behaved. It, that's what makes him truly, truly awful.
0: He really didn't show any remorse at any point of this. Like, there's no evidence that he truly regretted a single thing that he did.
1: No, and the scary thing is sometimes the ones who have had really horrific upbringings, it brings a sense, this is going to sound so twisted, but it brings a sense of comfort because it's like, okay, that's where it went wrong. We pinpointed exactly where it went wrong here. You know, they had a fucked up childhood or what have you. There was some trauma that that was a catalyst. Mm-hmm. With Harvey, yes, he was a product of his era in the sense that like his parents were strict and obviously people still beat their kids back then, but he didn't have a horrific childhood as
0: far as we know. And, and that to me is scary. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We we kind of said this at the beginning. It's the fact that, you know, when you have something to look at that explains why a person is the way that there is, It makes sense. But with Harvey Glattman, very little about him actually makes sense. It's almost like he was born and from the get-go just something wasn't right and that turned into violence very, very quickly for him. And he had absolutely no real punishments. He got away with it again and again and it escalated until he got caught. Yeah, he definitely follows a pattern that we see a lot and it's very sad i honestly feel like my brain is gonna push all of this information out as soon as we finish the episode and i (laughs) nearly appreciate that it does that yep absolutely (laughs) right like this is the kind of episode where after you listen to it you kind of just need to sit outside for a minute and be alone with your thoughts because the fact that someone like this existed that just kind of stays with me for a minute afterwards
1: Yeah, it goes without saying, he truly is one of the worst people we've covered, and that's saying a lot, considering who we've covered so far. Chances are, though, uh, you probably aren't exactly a great person if you end up being covered by us anyway. Exactly. Just the nature of the content we have chosen to be interested in. Yep. And he is,
0: uh, he's definitely kind of near the tip of that iceberg, isn't he? Mm hmm. Yeah. Honestly, like the death penalty cases, they always make me think a little because I, like I said, I don't agree with it. But I put Harvey Glattman into the same category as Pee Wee Gaskins, right? Like, and I, Mm -hmm. I maintain. Some people, they show us again and again that they have no place in our society because all they're capable is hurting people and just looking after their own selfish desires. That's it. Yep, yeah, and we see, we see it a lot. And I
1: think if people were just a little kinder to one another, it could really alleviate some of this pressure on society. You make it sound so simple. I know, is in in a perfect world, you know, we sit here and we talk about these horrible things and we set the world to rights, but it's never that simple. It's always, always so much more complicated than all that. But that all being said, here we are at the end. Just a quick reminder to you guys that we do have a couple new items in the Grim Trinket shop over on Etsy. And we've got uh, quite a few other things on the way because new things come to our attention all the time. And we decide we want to get them out there for you guys. So we order them. So that's how it goes. Um, So if you want to peek at that, the links are always in the description.
0: And it's a great way to support the podcast. And so is our Patreon. A huge shout out to our Grim VIPs and up. Thank you too. Judy, Brian, Mudkip, Hillary, Kevin, Bob, Lisa, and Pink PinkThomingo20. And don't forget you can get access to a ton of fun content, early episode reveals, our Discord, and more by joining our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. To keep up with all the greatest, the
1: latest and greatest greatest. Grim grim Curriculum news, make sure you follow us on all the social media platforms. Of course, we always link our personal stuff down below too if you want to see our dogs and animals and what we're getting up to on the
0: regular days. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. This has been The Grim Curriculum. Curriculum and uh charlotte i have a really fun fact for you you know when you have fruit flies in your house do i ever yeah they don't live very long so basically the entire time that they're out there in your house around your food they're having a big old massive orgy i love that for us
1: Bye. bye